anyway, good to be here. And uh, this morning we are going to, I'm going to do a little bit of a shorter sermon because today is the day that the elders are going to present our uh, plan of work uh, to the congregation for 2013. And if you're not, um, if you're looking for a church home, if you're a Christian and you're looking for a church home, I, I invite you to listen carefully to some of the things that are said and, and to take... Um, one of the, the booklets, one of the work plans that will be passed out in a little while, and look at what we're trying to accomplish, who we're trying to be here at Carnes, and, and the ways in which we're trying to magnify Jesus in this community as well as around the world. And um, we'd love for you to join hands with us as we uh, seek to bring glory to God. Um, the theme for this coming year is a mind to work. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Nehemiah, because that passage comes from, or that phrase comes from Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. You may or may not be familiar with the, the history of Old Testament Israel, but they reached a point where Judah had become sinful, they had wicked kings, they had things going on, the prophets were warning them, you've got to stop, you've got to behave, you have to repent. If you don't, God will bring judgment. You'll be taken away into captivity. And uh, they wouldn't listen. Got to the point where Jeremiah the prophet actually foretold, you're going to be taken away and you'll be gone for 70 years. God is going to discipline you. And that happened. The Babylonians came and overran uh, Judah and took people captive to way away in a foreign land. You can imagine if the United States were overrun by an enemy force and they come in and they take us living in Carnes and they ship us off to someplace else to live. And there we work as servants for uh, uh, a master that we don't want. Well, that was their fate for a long time. And it's in this time that the book of Nehemiah is written. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king of Persia. The Babylonians had actually taken captive Judah, but they kind of went by the wayside. And another world power came to, to the forefront, the Persian Empire. And Artaxerxes was the king. And Nehemiah had gotten word from a friend who lived back home, back in Jerusalem. And the friend said, man, things are rough back there. Uh, the walls of the city are torn down. The, the city gates are burned. It's tough. People are just scrambling just to stay alive. And boy, word of that just struck Nehemiah to the core. He hadn't escaped the captivity. But some had, and when the enemy was gone, they went back. But the place they went back to was just a shambles. And Nehemiah began to pray and fast, and he was heartbroken at the, the conditions of the, the place that was his homeland. And so one time he went in to serve the king, and the king looked at his countenance and said, there's something not right with you. What's going on? And he said, well... Fact of the matter is, I hear things are a mess back home. Uh, the city's destroyed, lays in shame. I'd love it if you would let me go back and just rebuild the city. And the king granted him permission to do that. And so 
Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, is about him and others going with him, going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding this city that lay basically in ruins because of um, the, the discipline that was brought upon them. But the work that they had to do of rebuilding the walls of the city, rebuilding the city itself, what a task. But listen to what Jeremiah chapter, or I mean Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6 says. Here's a commentary on the task that the king Artaxerxes allowed him to perform. He said, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. That's why, that's how they were able to accomplish what they accomplished. And we read that it, they accomplished it in 52 days. If we're going to get things done here at Carnes, if this congregation is going to be a successful, thriving congregation where people come to know Jesus and where Jesus is magnified before this community... If that's going to be accomplished, and whatever we take to hand to do, if we're going to do it and do it well, the people have to have a mind to work. We can't run from hard work. We have to be a people willing to sacrifice and to work. And so that's the challenge for us as a church in 2013, to just be reminded that we have been called to work. In Matthew 20, there's an illustration of some men who were idle. They had no job, and they stood around idle all day long. But when the master called them and paid them, he paid them to work. When they became his employee, they had a job to do. And uh, it doesn't matter what time of the day you're called. When you're called, you have a job to do. And that's true still today. If you have been called by God to be his disciple, you have a job to do. There's work to be done. And and we shouldn't say, oh, good, I've been baptized, i got my sins gone, now I can sit back and relax and and, uh, coast to heaven. That's not the way it works. We have to have a mind to work. Rest comes after work. Rest comes later. Rest comes when we all go to heaven. So I'd like for us to look at some things that Nehemiah faced real quickly as he uh, rebuilt these walls. Don't think it was easy. It took diligence. It took commitment. Lesser people would have turned and walked away. But they had a mind to work. And I find it interesting that the same things that Nehemiah and those Jews faced by way of opposition are the same things we face as a church. The same forms of opposition that he faced are the same forms of opposition that we face. So let's learn from Nehemiah, see if we can't learn, and see if we can't identify similar forms of opposition. Begin with, turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Nehemiah faces mockery. There are some guys who say, you're going to do what? You think you can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Oh, come on. You're kidding me. You're really going to go back there? You think you can do that? Yeah, I I do. And listen to the mockery. Um, Look at verse 2. Well, verse 1, as they were rebuilding the wall, they were furious, they were indignant, and they mocked the Jews. And uh, Sanballat said, um, what are these feeble Jews doing? 
Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? And once he finished, another guy, Tobiah, he jumps in and says, well, if, if a fox, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, it'll break down their stone wall. They're making fun of them. They're ridiculing them. Two guys are openly saying, you're kidding me. You're gonna, you think you can do this? You feeble Jews. And the other guy says, well, if a fox puts its weight on this wall, it's going to fall down. You're wasting your time. You see, lesser people would have said, I don't have to put up that. Insulting my work, insulting my plans. I'll just go back to my old job, go home. Does that ever happen in the church? You're doing the best you can. You've got a good plan and you're trying to execute it. And then maybe somebody can come up behind you and say, that's silly. You're kidding me. That's what you think? You you think that's good judgment? You're going to try that? And when we get criticism when doing good, we often say, hey, I don't need this. Let them do it if they want to try. And we often just quit. But not here, because they had a mind to work. They were willing to endure the mockery. They were willing to uh, face the opposition of rubble. Look at chapter 4, verse 10. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. It wasn't just a task of building, but it was a task of removing all the junk, all the rubbish, all the broken down wall when they were uh, overrun years ago. All those broken down, burned stones are laying in heaps. And I've used this illustration before, but when Kim and I first got married, neither one of us had figured out who's going to do dishes, you know. And, and we went through every clean dish in our house and our sink was just piled up, huge. And I'm thinking, when are you going to do something? And that's what she was thinking. And, you know, you can get to point like Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner when you really just go all out. When you get done eating and you look over to the kitchen and you go, oh, where do you start? I mean, how do you even organize the sink to even clean some stuff? It, it's the removal of the, the rubble before you can even make progress. That's what they were facing. The guys were looking and going, man, we can't even start. But look at all this stuff that has to be moved. It was discouraging to them. But they removed it. They did the hard work of removing the rubble. <clears throat> And building the wall. And the reason they did it is because they had a mind to work. Sometimes we have a lot of rubble to remove in our lives. A lot of changes that have to be made before we can even make progress with our lives and the lives of others. But that hard work needs to be done anyway. Nehemiah faced violence. Look at chapter 4, verses, well, 7 through 23. But in particular, 16 and 17, they were threatened when they saw that their, their mockery wasn't working, then they said, all right, well, then we're going to kill you. You keep building this wall, we're going to kill you all. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> so it was 
From that time on, that half my servants worked that construction, while the other half held the spears and the shields and bows and wore armor, and the leaders were behind the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other they held a weapon. They faced opposition in the form of, we're going we're gonna to do you violence. That didn't stop them from working. What it did is they just said, all right, well, then I'll just have to hold my sword in my left hand while I hammer away with my right hand. They just divided up to have some guys being weapon carriers and other guys work a while. They didn't stop their work. Sometimes when we face opposition and a person attacks us, you know what we do? We can't be productive anymore. We, we give up doing what the Lord's work is, and, and we mount a defensive for ourselves. And, and we, we spend all of our time and energy mounting a defense rather than continuing to do the work of God. Nehemiah didn't stop working because people had threatened him. He continued to work because the people had a mind to work. Then he faces greed, chapter 5. Look at uh, verses 1 through 19. If you remember the story, there were some people who, well, because they've gone back home, they don't have a good economy, things are rough, and, and people were running out of money. They're running out of food. And those who had a little more said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some food, but you're my slave. You have to do what I want you to do for a while to pay it off. And so brothers were enslaving brothers. And it was creating quite a bit of conflict among themselves. And Nehemiah finally had to step in and say, Guys, stop this. We're brethren. Quit trying to make a buck off another person's calamity and and, and troubles. We're brethren here. We've got work to do. And he put an end to that greed that was destroying the attitudes of the Jews as they were trying to build. I think probably the greatest threat to the church is not what's on the outside of these walls. I think our greatest challenge, it comes from within the walls. How we treat each other. Do we love each other? Are we kind, compassionate? Do we use or manipulate one another? I think that can do the greatest harm to the church. We, we face that today as well. And then look at chapter 6 of Nehemiah. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. They face the, the threat of compromise. When Sanballat and Tobiah and these guys see that what, we can't scare them off, we can't ridicule them away, they're building the wall. What are we going to do? How do we stop them? They said, here's what we'll do. We'll call a meeting, a get-together, a little powwow. And we'll have him come down and talk to us. And, uh, and we'll get him when he gets down here. So some messengers go to Nehemiah and say, hey, um, we want to talk. Can we, can we all raise the white flag and and sit down together a little while and, and just hash this out. You know what Nehemiah said? He said, I can't do that. I'm not wasting my time going and talking to you all because 
I'm engaged in a good work. I'm not going to stop the work to go compromise or listen to a compromise that you all offer. I'm here to build the walls. And he wouldn't compromise. How many times has the Lord's church suffered because of its unwillingness to stand for truth in the face of what? Culture, society, uh, loose or liberal interpretations of God's word. People want to water things down. They don't want you to be, oh, I know, you know, abortion. But, you know, there's, let, let's talk about that a little while. Or let's talk about uh, the need to do this and that. All the, the things that God already settled, there are people that say, don't be so hard. Don't be so dogmatic. It doesn't have to be that way. Can't you just accept this or that? And we begin to compromise. We don't need to compromise. Nehemiah wouldn't compromise. He had a job to do. And any discussion that would pull away from that job, he wanted no part of. So should we. If something is take away from or weaken or water down the word of God as it is written, we want no part of that. I think of um, Moses in the Old Testament when Pharaoh said, all right, all right, just go. After all the plagues, just go. Take your people with you and go, but leave your, your cattle behind. And Moses said, we will not leave one hoof behind. You see, he was doing what God told him to do and was following God's direction. And he said, we're not compromising a bit. Not one hoof shall be left behind. And I think we ought to have that attitude with the doctrines of God. Not one doctrine should be left behind in order to have some kind of a compromise with people who differ from the Word of God. And so that's another thing we face today. And then quickly and finally, uh, they face slander. Um, In Nehemiah chapter 6, we see that they said, all right, well, if you don't do this, if you won't meet with us, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to write up this letter, and it's going to tell the king, and we're going to send it to the king. And it's going to say that you all are planning a rebellion, you're setting up your own king, and and that's what this thing's all about. And we're going to lie about you and send it and get you all in trouble. You know what Nehemiah said? Go ahead. I'll let my reputation stand on its own. I'm going to continue to work. If you have to write a letter, well, you go ahead and write your letter. But I'm going to continue to work. Don't get so caught up in defending yourself that you stop the work of God. There's a higher uh, agenda than your own reputation. And so, in spite of all of that mockery, Nehemiah and those who were with him built the walls. They finished the job because they had a mind to work. And I want us to have that mind to work as we go out this year and uh, try to magnify Jesus in our community. Um, I'm going to extend the invitation at this time. Is that correct? Uh, Okay. I'm going to extend an invitation to you, and then when that's over with, then the elders will get up and present uh, to you uh, some of the plans that we have for this year. But if you're not yet a Christian, why don't you obey the gospel? If you're not yet a part of the body of Christ, if there's sin in your life, if there's if you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to become a part of his kingdom, or if you need to repent being a part of his kingdom for things that you have done, 
we welcome you to come forward. We'll baptize you into Christ if that's your need this morning, or we'll pray with you if you need the prayers of your brethren. But if you have a need, please come forward as we stand together and sing. Donovan, we get your crew and everybody to go ahead and hand out the books. Uh, we'll be giving out uh, the booklets, one per family, so that everybody can uh, have uh, the information that they need. Because uh, there's three important verses. Steve gave an excellent sermon out of Nehemiah. But there's three important verses I want us to focus on out of the Nehemiah lesson. One is in uh, chapter 2 and verse 18, where it was said, Let us arise and build. There was a need, and they decided we're going to take care of that need. We're going to arise and build. As we know, the key theme in uh, chapter 4 and verse 6, for the people had a mind to work. That's how they accomplished this work. But also very importantly to understand, when you get to chapter 6 and verse 15, with the Lord's help, it does say they completed that wall in 52 days. And many times you go back and have an even deeper lesson about how great a task that was. It was amazing that they got that done in just two, two and a half months. Uh, got, got it taken care of. And so a month and a half, I guess, get my math right. But... Uh, I'm just going to count it. Uh, but uh, anyhow, the point is, though, that the keys there were that there was a, a, they said, let us arise and build, and they also said uh, uh, that they were going to get the work done. Can we go ahead and be handing the books out? Are we? Oh, they're just going to get it when they leave. Okay. Well, I was going to have you reference some pages. That's why you won't have to be flipping through then. You can just go look for them when you do get there. But uh, some key things I want to point out. Uh, you've seen the vision book before. Uh, so this year, when you go out there, it will look like this. And uh, so be sure you grab one each, each per family. 
But some things we want to point out in the booklet is that in reaching out this year under our, under our family goals, you'll find on page six when you get through the book, uh, we want to increase our visibility in the community as well as our outreach into the community. But that involves each and every one of us. We can't just have a program. We've talked before about we had the sign. Well, that helps. We've talked before we've done some things as smaller groups within the community. But in really to have a true impact on our community, each and every one of us needs to do things with our neighbors, with the places we work, with where we go to school, so we can have the impact on the community we want to have. So I do challenge you to look through the book for those areas where we can reach out into our community. Also in talking about helping others is one of the goals we have. Uh, strengthen our sister congregation in Honduras. So we'll tell more about that later. There's been a few things occur in Honduras. There's been a few changes, but we want to continue to strengthen that. And as well, we're also beginning a new work uh, this year in St. Croix. Uh, Clancy Etienne will be traveling down next month uh, to St. Croix to begin setting up uh, for that work. We hope he'll be ready soon enough for a few of us perhaps to go. It might be July or August before we can go, but especially for 2014, we will have a full-blown uh, campaign there. But there will be a small contingent that we'll be able to do even this year there. Uh, our vision for the next five years is to expand this auditorium to hold uh, 600. Uh, it's designed to hold 450, but if there were 450 in here, you wouldn't like it because it would be very tight. And so we are looking at ways to do that, and so look in the book for that as well. One thing to highlight when you do get to page 8 and talk about our history, we have a flyer from where there was an announcement of a gospel meeting that we had here at Carnes many years ago when Billy Nix came and did the gospel meeting for us. And as was mentioned earlier, last Tuesday, January 22nd, Bill Nix had passed away. And we'll be having that memorial service here in February, I believe it said the 9th. But the, our history is rich with uh, the Nix family. We have the Bill Nix Library. And so, anyhow, I would encourage each and every one of you to participate when we have that memorial service. I know the family uh, would appreciate it greatly. Under some accomplishments that we did accomplish in 2012, we had 69 that were baptized, 38 through our prison ministry. We had 41 that placed membership. Our average Sunday attendance was 343. If you'll notice, even last week it was 344, so we're right on average. That's a 10% increase over the last five years. We would like for that to be even more, not because of numbers, but because there's that many lost in our community that we need to reach to and bring